0: Righto, welcome back to the Maximum Cricket Podcast. My name is Matt Hunter, or Munter, even. I'm here with Luxie and Jacko, and welcome to episode number fourteen.
1: Maximum, the first of this contest. Oh, that is brilliant! And a down the hero, Maximum, underground, underground, another hero, Maximum.
0: What an absolute blockbuster week of girt for us to get through. But first, uh, we've decided to do snack chat but with a bit more skin in the game. Uh, This is Jacko's idea. That skin being the public critiquing, if you will, or public shaming, depending on what you've chosen. Um, We need our award-winning listeners to help us. Each of us will disclose their snack of the week, voted by you, the listener, on Instagram. After the pod drops, I'll throw up a wee pod to which you guys will decide. What happens to the winner and loser, you say? not a lot but we have three pretty competitive guys who rate themselves as snack connoisseurs if you will so i know personally if i see my name at third place too often it's going to dent the ego for sure so i'll uh i'll kick us off and i've got a wee favorite a uh a boysenberry ripple block of chocolate uh this is a wee tip top and cabri Uh, team up that i'm pretty happy with personally i'm not going to sell it too much but uh, i'm pretty happy with it uh boys what are you guys running
1: uh yeah not, not a bad option from you i've gone with the uh rice thin with peanut butter and a banana on top so a little bit of the healthier side but um yeah heaps of peanut butter really sort of brings that one home for me
2: yeah, I actually rate that hugely as an option. Um, I've gone somewhat similar, and I'm I'm disappointed we've started this tonight because I've yeah no, I'm not in the uh, best of snake <laughs> form here. Um, I've gone a protein bar, which is an odd option for me, and then I've completely uh, smothered that in some flux and fog, and then just to uh, and it doesn't go well with it, but just to add to the debauchery, I've gone a, another lift plus or live plus, so <laughs> I'll give that a crack open and um. Yeah, I, I have to say I could be in third here.
1: Yeah, one of the all-time <laughs> eight PM combos. That
0: yeah. Oh, that's a that's that's a good one. The old lift plus. I do love the old uh, opening of a can. It just just takes me back.
2: I'm hoping it's that will different. win the list, Win the listeners over, really, because I haven't brought a lot to the table.
0: So to to recap, so I've I've got a wee tip top boysenberry ripple block of chocolate, Jacko. Uh,
1: it's just like a, a rice thin with peanut butter and banana on the top. So like those okay. sort of big nice rice combo. crackers. Okay,
0: yeah, it's not bad, it's not bad at all. And uh, Lugsy, what have you got again?
2: Um, a protein bar absolutely smothered in a um, Fix and Fog peanut butter. And a life plus. And
0: a lot, I like how it's a protein bar, which is like quite healthy, and then you're just going, like, I'm just going to cover it with the peanut butter. Well,
2: that's that's what I love about peanut butter. It is considered somewhat healthy, like these ones that are just 99.9% nuts. Um, but it is also quite high-calorie. And you've put heaps on. Yeah, it's disgustingly eatable. Like I get through a jar every few days.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, when you when you are slapping it on your body uh, oh, once a wife. week, that uh,
2: that
0: sort that's of happens.
2: That's for another pod, Matthew.
0: That's that's a sort of after dark, I guess. Now. Yeah.
1: Subscribers only sort of pod, that, that
0: yeah. one. Absolutely,
2: patience, <laughs>
0: <only>. <laughs> Yeah, it might be another website actually. <laughs> another people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. We'll, um, we'll move on, move on before we uh, we, we we take a, a different turn. Um, so there's been a been a lot of news, uh, in particular in the New Zealand cricket circles, which you don't often see in a week. Uh, New Zealand cricket doesn't generally dominate the headlines, but it definitely has this week. Um, I'll do a quick summary and then we'll sort of break into it. But we've also we've got a, we've got the spicy Ross Taylor book, which I am very fortunate to have my hands on. Uh, we've got Trent Bolt releasing himself from a New Zealand contract. I know they said it was mutual, but let's be honest, breakouts are never mu- mutual. And probably the smallest story, surprisingly, is the cricket, where our Caps completed a 2-1 series victory against the West Indies uh, in the T20s. So we'll get we'll get the T20s out of the way uh, before we sink our teeth into the juicy stuff. Boys, we said we would take a series victory. The Caps were sensational in the first two T20s, winning by 13 and 90 runs, respectively. But in the end, we got pants this morning by eight wickets in the third T20. Does that take any gloss off the victory at all, or do we expect the West Indies to come back at some point?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it was always going to be competitive, so they were always going to come back. I wonder if that's just the uh, the holiday starting to bite a wee bit. <laughs> yeah. boys, boys have spent a bit of time in the sun... Heat stroke and stuff. Yeah, a bit of heat stroke. Maybe some sore heads. I wonder if that's just sort of kicked in, which has led to that uh, Yeah, that third-game performance. Obviously, you'd hope not being a professional outfit, but you never know.
2: Yeah, you'd, it would have been nice to just complete it and get it 1-3-0. Um, I think in 2020 cricket, you, you somewhat can... A loss, one loss, you know, sort of you can live with. That's sort of the nature of the game. It was a probably... The disappointing part is it wasn't a great performance, I guess. Um, and it would have been sort of nicer if we had tried a few things and mixed up the side a bit, maybe gave it a few guys a go. And if it doesn't pay off, it doesn't pay off. So uh, I think we sort of still put a, a pretty handy side out. I guess and they got promoted again. Um, but, yeah, a bit of a disappointing loss, but I don't think it's going to, you know, lead to too much. You take you take a loss in these 2020s.
0: Yeah, it's a, a good point there, Alexi. Uh, I would have... It would have been nice to see Finn Allen get a crack. Yeah, definitely. Guptal's place is pretty secure. Like, he's gone – he's, again, he's he got the most runs in T20Is. Um, he's played pretty much every game of this 13-1 and one stretch. So it would have been nice to see how Finn Allen went against the bigger nations, I guess. But in saying that, like, there were some really positive performances. Uh, like, Glenn Phillips, yeah. man of the series, he, like, sort of continues – but when you're picking a T20 lineup now, if he's not your first pick, he's definitely one of those top three sort of picks. Um, if we go through a series like 17 off 11, 76 off 41, 41 off 26, 134 runs at 45 with a strike rate of 171, I mean, that's that's right up there. Um, that's pretty impressive stuff. And the other, the other impressive one for me is there's been a little bit of heat on Santner as of late and he never quite gets the recognition he probably deserves but his figures this these three games three for 19 three for 15 none for 30 six wickets at 10 uh, 10 apiece with a run rate of about just over five i mean that's pretty impressive stuff he was definitely one of the differences anyone else sort of stand out for you
2: guys
1: um i think it was good to see brace will bowl well in game two um yeah that, that was nice to see um you're just touching on Satner quickly, this is the second series in a row now. He's got to bat at three in that second part. I'm just wondering, now that he's not skip, is that, is that maybe a plan, or are we just trying to get him more of a hit? Which is, uh, I don't know about him batting three at all in T20 cricket, so I think we need to nip that in the bud just quietly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a strange one. I haven't actually caught up. I missed the highlights this morning. I missed the game. I slept in, or whatever. Um, but I would imagine that it had something to do with the... Like a left arm spinner being in, and they thought that he would go in and whack it. So I don't necessarily, I'm not against it. I don't mind us trying things like that because if you think about where Santa bats, if he goes out and whacks it, and he goes out, it doesn't affect the batting lineup at all. And if he goes out and he, and it works, it gives us a bit of a, a bit of a boost. So I, I I don't mind it in a sense, but. Just the optics of Santa batting at three can definitely grind you a wee bit.
2: Yeah, I guess the only negative to that, though, is if um, it's not, you know, it could not be always a case of just sit out, get out. You know, you might take up an over or two. Well, that's the catch, isn't it? Yeah, and an over or two in in 2020 cricket's a lot when it's not you, you know, you want to have your best players batting as much as you can. Um, Santa's a a very interesting case as a cricket reckon. I'll message you boys. I was sort of watching that second game when he strutted on, got a wicket first ball, and sometimes he just looks like he's got no care in the world and sort of a very talented player. And he's, he's quite a hard guy to work out. I couldn't, As I say, can't work out if he's one of the more confident guys in world cricket or he lacks a bit of confidence. I'm just not sure where he's at. But, yeah, he bowled really well, especially in that sec- first and second game. Um, as I say, I'm probably with Jack. I'm not sure it's a, a needed thing. and am betting at three. I think we've got probably enough talent with the bet to – not have him there, but yeah, as you say, Munter, we trying things.
0: Yeah, it's probably, to be fair, just looking at the scorecard now, he was 13 off 11, so that's a bit of a waste. That's sort of your point. If he's wasting balls, then it is a bit of a waste. But obviously this pitch wasn't quite the same, but like any one of the, that top seven could do that role. So if he's going to be promoted, it has to be hit, a, hit out or get out because otherwise he's just taking, taking away balls that like, if we got, see here, Nisham only faced six balls, Bracewell only faced two. If those 11 balls were shared amongst those uh, those two hitters, you know, we could be looking at 160 instead.
2: Yeah, that's it.
0: So that, I guess that's the catch. Um, but on his sort of confidence, I, I, he'll be doing just fine off, off the field, that's for sure.
2: You, yeah, mm, interesting. I mean, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, well, he did have that. I always remember when he made his test day bill and he walked out and sort of one of the Aussies just said, you look bloody nervous or something, and he just answered like, yeah, it's my test day bill, oh, I am nervous. It <laughs> sort was of just pretty straight-up answer. I thought I always liked that about him. Yeah, I'd be interested to spend a night or two with him and just see how he goes, actually. Let's get him on the pot. To not talk
1: cricket. <laughs> Santner, if you're listening, come on. He was looking particularly sharp with the wee uh, side sort of taper fade in the second mm. game, which I think... And sort of excelled as bowling for me as well it looked a lot better than, I mean it was very good but it looks a lot better when you've got that, that sort of tightness in on the sides there and the, and the hairs looking sharp as well
2: So we're quite in on Mitch centre at the moment.
1: Yeah hugely in uh, until he gets another 10 off 10 batting at 3. And I was
0: going to say while, while, he's, uh, while he's doing well and while he's playing white ball cricket as soon as as soon as, those, uh, as soon as the red ball gets in his hand well, it's another story
2: it's quite it's quite funny that suddenly we seem to have some, some reasonable spin stock here with, um, with Santa Bowling Whale, Sody, the great teammate Bowling Whale, and, and Brace is doing all right. It's, yeah. It's quite a promising sign for New Zealand at the minute. The
0: braceful dynamic definitely adds. Like, obviously, the ball's spinning in, a, in another direction for a start, so that sometimes we struggle against left-handers because you've got, unless Sody's on, he bowls is wrong, but to have an actual, like a, an off spinner just gives that side a little bit more of a dynamic. Because I don't I think in the past they've they've gone with Glenn Phillips's um, spin, but I just don't think it's quite up to that level just yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not, I don't think.
0: Yeah, so it it's um the boys definitely have their bases covered going into that that World Cup.
1: Yeah, good to see. Promising Yeah, Hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's good to see, uh probably good to see what that sort of best batting line up from the first two games sort of is capable of. Um sort of that power from, as we've sort of discussed, four through eight looking very tasty if yeah, either two of those four or five get going. We're gonna be averaging hopefully two hundred in this T twenty World Cup.
2: Yeah, some of the some of the hitting I was watching that second game, some of the hitting of Mitchell and Phillips was Real high quality. Look, there was a bit of luck in there, and and to be honest, that Western Side sometimes in the field looked very sort of just a bit subpar, a bit um sort of lackadaisical there, and a few into hand that got dropped, and a few didn't even get to hand. But but no, some of the hitting was um was pretty impressive.
0: Hundred percent. And like I I mentioned it in a um in a recap I did earlier in the week. But like I'm a massive fan of that extra batting depth when it allows it allows that top six to just absolutely put the foot down. Like you saw it from the start, like Guptill, like it's only a 20 off 11, but it's a it's sort of just kickstart settings. And then it just allows Phillips and Mitchell to go a little harder, a little earlier, knowing there's a bit more in the shed. So I was a massive fan of that. And I just, I do think that's that's sort of the way it's heading uh, in T20 cricket. So it's, um I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty impressed.
1: Yeah, looking good. Apparently, as well, another um, stat from the from the game from a long time listener, first time caller, uh, Matthew Hay reckons that's the first New Zealand White Ball series win in the West Indies ever.
0: I did see. It. I did yeah. see that. That's um, that's crazy.
1: Quite a stat. Yeah,
0: that's a very very good stat, and um, yeah, very impressive.
2: I'm assuming we just haven't played there a lot recently, either, have we? For for a White Ball series, because
1: no, it's not not a big touring country.
2: No. And yeah, as you say, that's probably why, as we mentioned, so many of the boys are on board the to, to Halloween tour.
1: Okay, so uh, we'll move on to the first
0: bit of juicy uh, news coming out of New Zealand. New Zealand Cricket has agreed to release Trent Bolt from their central contract. Uh, they've been through negotiations. They've said it's uh, mutual. Yeah. I would uh, agree to disagree a little bit on that one, even though they've said uh, Trent Bolt isn't retiring, but he's just getting rid of his central contract. And he said basically that he, it's so he can play less cricket and see his family more. So I guess the first question would be, how surprised were you that, that this decision was made? And how often will we actually see him for the Caps moving forward?
1: Yeah, quite a, quite a lot to unpack with this, uh, this Trent situation. Essentially, he sort of retired, sort of like someone leaving the business they own saying they're like retiring and handing it over to their son to run, but they'll still be there two days a week, sort of thing. Uh, so he's one, one foot out the door, but still wants a bit of control. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting moving forward because Bolt's our first sort of genuine three-format player to, to take this option. I mean, McLennigan sort of tried it, wasn't a good enough black cap to... They just sort of said, right, we'll we'll, we'll pick someone else. Um, Nesham's sort of going that way, but he is... I mean he showed his class as a T twenty player, so I don't know how much sort of other cricket he'll get, but he obviously can do it. But um yeah, very interesting from Trent. Didn't see it coming if I'm honest. I thought I thought sort of Trent Southey were gonna maybe go to the next Test Championship, maybe the next one day World Cup, sort of retire from there. But yeah, this is a very interesting one because it, it does raise the question about World Cups and if he's not gonna play, what what do you do? But um yeah, in terms of how much he'll play again for New Zealand, I think, I don't know, it's, a, it's an interesting one because if he plays the IPL and he plays two more sort of leagues, especially in the winter, he's basically playing the same amount as if he toured for New Zealand over that period. Um, so he basically just wants his summer holidays back. Uh, he sort of thought back to uni, going, geez, that was a pretty good gig, having uh, having four months off. Wouldn't mind that again. He might play the Mount Boxing Day test where he lives uh, apart from that, he's, yeah, you're just having a summer holidays back, basically.
2: Yeah, very. Well, I was yeah very surprised because I think obviously it's the first time it's really happened in a real high profile way in New Zealand cricket. Um, so I guess I didn't even really know this was getting considered as an option, or a, it is probably a sign of things to come. I think we've seen it in other sports where the players are starting to get more and more sort of control. Um, and I guess that's the, the big talking point is, is what this will lead to if this is just the first domino to fall and and how many players might see this now and want this option. Um, I guess that's going to be the big talking point out of it. Um, how much is he... I mean, you can't fly, throw a flag really on on his reasoning if he wants to spend more time with family. Um, I think it would be interesting if, if he ends up playing six or seven of these leagues and suddenly he's playing more cricket than ever. It's going to be the next few years where this is going to get very interesting, how many guys are now going to see this, want to do this, um, how New Zealand and and other countries may have to sort of navigate through that with their top players. I think that's the main sort of what's come out of this or what's going to be the talking point of this.
0: Yeah, 100%. And there's some uh, top points there. And, like, yeah, as you said, the first person for New Zealand, that's top of their craft. It's probably, like, the first person in world cricket that has a bit of leverage to do it, but like they are mm. like if you're picking a New Zealand side, T20s, One day's Tests, you're picking Trent Boult. Like if he's available, he's he he is one of the first names on that team sheet. Like he's the number one ODI bowler in the world, so it's probably like you said, like guys like McLennan, Milne, Munro, sort of don't have the same leverage. Like like guys like. David White, which we'll get to, can come out and say things like, we're going to favour people that are contracted and things like that. But can you honestly, can you look Kane Williams in the eye and, and tell me that we're going to pick a subpar team when Trent Bolt's available? I, I'd hate to, i would be an interesting conversation because that could push another guy out the door. Because, yeah, it's, it's interesting because is it the first, like, because I think about why would Bolt do this? And he, he did say, he said the family card, and while that's that's definitely true in a way, it's obviously money related, and I guess more money equals more freedom, because obviously the big thing with the contracts at the moment, if you're New, if you're New Zealand contract player, or if you're Australian or, or whatever, like you know Dave Warner's having the, these these issues, you need you need sign off by. The home board before you can play any overseas league the ipl is like no exception obviously it's never been an issue but now trent bolt has the freedom to just pick and choose where when he when he wants to play and he's good enough like if he's available to play cause like he, when he's available he, he should be playing um so he can essentially like jacko you said in one of our chats he can play three tournaments and earn more money, like three times the amount of money he gets from a New Zealand retainer. So teams like New Zealand, teams like Western New and Sri Lanka, they're prime prime for this because we can't pay anywhere anywhere near what these franchises can pay. So it, is it the first like big domino? Like guys like David White has they they've got to have their head in the sand. Like when he says like oh I don't see anyone else coming. Like leaving, like I know that no one's talked to you yet, but no one's going to talk to you until like it's it's done. So to say to say that like we're going to favour people that are contracted it's just it's kind of silly. They are, if they are good enough, they should be able to play wherever they want and pick and choose. Because yeah, Trent Bolt, he's put his name in the hat for the UAE League which is in December, January, which is about the time when New Zealand is due to tr- travel Pakistan. Like, what a win it will be to miss that tour. Like, we, like everyone's seen, everyone saw the roads they were playing on in the Australian it series. Flat. It
1: was very flat for Aussie, wasn't it? Like,
0: what, like, there's nothing Trent Bott will do. Like, he might pick up two wickets the whole, the whole trip. Oh. If anything, it's going to boost his stats a wee bit um, by missing that, only playing at home, that sort of stuff. So... Yeah, that's, that's sort of my take. I, it's a I do see it as a big deal. Like it's the one thing. Like he is towards the end of his career, and but it's going to be once a person does it when they're like twenty five in the middle of their career. That's that's when it's going to be something. It's going to be like LeBron going to the heat. People like people are going to. It's almost like someone's got to pave the way and take the heat. Like excuse the pun um, before like so that. Other people can do it.
2: Like we've seen this a little bit with New Zealand rugby, with guys wanting to play, you know, go overseas and play. Um, yeah. That's something they've had to start navigating. And as you say, the, you know, the heat, David White might not be getting hit up by players just yet, but I guarantee some people are having yards of Trent. I guarantee, you know, over a couple of beers, people are sort of working out how he navigated this contract, sort of what what's involved with it and getting out of it. I'm sure there's some top-of-the-line players talking to him thinking about how they can get the same deal. I mean, if Trent goes and plays, you know, UAE, BBL or, you know, three or four of these tournaments and people see him doing this and making more money, they're just naturally going to want a piece of it. Um, So yeah, it is a big thing. And how New Zealand cricket navigate picking him or, yeah, sort of navigate other players having these combos with them is going to be very interesting over the next few years. And as you say, if a, a young kid grows up saying this as well, there's, I think we all think eventually there is going to be players that pick this sort of cricket over national selection. So it'll just be, yeah, I think that's just, this is this sort of gets that ball rolling.
1: It's definitely an interesting one. And I think it's tough to say, like, kids are going to grow up wanting to do this because obviously this is, like, the dream life, isn't it? You, you play four months of the year touring, you get paid 400 500000 for each tournament, and then you're home and you're jolly. But I think, um, I can't remember if it was David White, but someone from New Zealand cricket did make a really good point of that you actually need to play for New Zealand and have a sustained career for New Zealand for these opportunities to come up. Sorry, like I think we've seen really over the last 10 years, outside of Trent, I mean, Saudi goes to RCB quite a bit, but we don't actually have any like guys that are guaranteed IPL gigs and guaranteed playing time. Uh, Trent, sort of one of the very few, especially when there's only a sort of a select few uh, international players in all of these leagues. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't I don't think the dominoes are going to fall as such, just based on the fact that, like, really to get that big IPL gig, we saw it happen with Jameson. You sort of need to tour, you need to play India right before the auction and cash it. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think without international cricket, guys are going to like. The Super Smash doesn't have the exposure that it, probably the BBL does or the Vitality Blast does at this stage. So I don't think guys are going to be able to have two good Super Smash seasons and go, oh, yep, sweet, I've got Vitality Blast, I've got IPL, I've got the BBL, I don't need New Zealand cricket anymore. I think you do actually need that success and that sustained success at international level to get a good IPL gig.
0: It probably depends on how... How far the IPL tentacles start to reach?
2: That's yeah. yeah I was gonna say because they've already
0: bought. They bought the UAE. They bought South African leagues. If they keep buying, they're gonna need more players. And if they all, all these leagues start paying, the same superstar players can't play in every single league, which means that no. you're gonna need you're gonna need outside outside noises. Like I reckon one of the biggest cases to look for is that uh, I can't remember I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but the baby Ab de Villiers from South Africa. That's doing the rounds. He um, came onto the scene with a massive under nineteen World Cup. Never played a never played a first class game. um, I don't think he's played any List A or T20s for uh, in South Africa or anything like that. But he's got snapped out for for the IPL, and he's basically like a almost like a year round Mumbai Indian, where they played. I think they played some sort of like twos, twos. They did like a twos trip. In, in, in the UK. I think Michael Atherton wrote about it. And now he's signed, I think he's playing in the South African League for the Mumbai team. So it'll be quite interesting when they start snapping up those guys. If he has like a, a Mumbai Indians contract and they say, you've got to play, where we tell you to play? He might not play at home at all. Like He could mm. just, he could just be, yeah. on, be on the book. So, it's it's an interesting one. It does depend on what the IPL does going forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. I do think Finn, Al- Finn Allen could be one to watch from a New Zealand sort of perspective, couldn't he? Because he's yeah,
2: that's a good
1: one. He's probably the one that's closest to doing what Trent's about to do. Like he's sort of got a vitality gig. He's got a IPL gig. I'm sure he could probably get himself a CPL gig out of these few performances. So yeah, I mean it depends how successful trent is it depends if he like obviously he's going to be successful when he plays for new zealand but it depends how much he gets picked because if he's getting picked for world cups and stuff yeah we might see someone like a Finn and go well i'm sort of sick of being the spear batter on these tours i might uh yeah i might just make a 100 grand and be in the caravan for six weeks instead of eight days or whatever it is
2: yeah, I think getting back to that first point you made, Jack. I think that is a fair point at the moment, but it might not be long as, as Munda said, until these twenty twenty tournaments are more prevalent. And suddenly, as you say, they need more players. So you get, you know, you get a hundred early on for, you know, that makes the rounds in one of these leagues, and suddenly you're noticed, and then they they do just pick you without all that experience. I think it's fair point at the moment because they're just not as big. Some of these, eggs. like our leagues. I don't know how much coverage they'd get over overseas, but if you get 100, say, in our league and then pick up a wee game in the Big Bash and then get a, you know, a big school there, then I wonder how quickly you, you can start doing the rounds on these leagues. So mm. it'll be interesting, as you say, just how much 2020 cricket starts to get played by, especially from younger players.
1: 100%. I think as well, I think the Kiwis could be potentially targeted here, like I know for for years gone past South Africans got targeted by the English counties on those coal pack deals because they basically knew they could, I guess, they could outbid South Africa and they could pay these guys more money for longer for an easier gig in England. So yeah, I think New Zealand might be that little sweet spot of an IPL team, like as you said, could RCB have for on year round and then that they can offer more than the New Zealand cricket system can in terms of money, so then it becomes lucrative, but Yeah, like the the big dogs in Aussie and and England, they're just on so much money domestically that it might be less appealing for them. But I think us, the West Indies, you see a lot of those West Indies young guns. Um, The West Indies coach actually came out and had a real crack at, I believe it was Andre Russell and some of those players about not playing for their country right before a T20 World Cup. Um, So it's it's definitely already starting to happen with some of these Mm. sort of middle tier countries. Um, So yeah, I mean, Trent could be the start of something for us which which might not be that great for us as a as black hips fans
0: i mean they could start it could be like football where they start sending out scouts where ipr scouts you know they've got all these leagues and they start you know they might turn up at a, at a club game and they might see a, a Jacko uh, latham steaming in uh, for for a 20 and they go he's a bit of he's a bit of something he could he could play twos um
2: <laughs> I'm but, serious he I could hit ball. Yeah. I mean there's no doubt they would have scouts out if they wanted, you know, full leagues. But the yeah, way, 100%. you know, what football? Like These players are scouted at 12, 13 years old and, like, fully professional, you know, even younger. So it's it's not out of the question at all.
1: Definitely. And uh, if any IPL teams are listening, I've got a very uh, <laughs> fleshed-out net bowling resume. So if that's what you're after, get in touch.
2: If you're looking for management there, Jack, I actually could get involved in some management for weekend to see
1: yeah i
0: run your socials
1: but <laughs> the, the TMC goes international does it
0: yeah there's a bit more drama to, to get through
1: yeah definitely I think oh, to be fair we could we could talk about this for probably two hours but yeah I think we've we've reached a good point there
0: yeah it'll come up it'll come up again at some point no doubt um yeah, I was gonna say, we'll probably talk about this <laughs> again <laughs> next week when the next person leaves um so yeah speaking of uh a drama I guess a uh a hot a hot hot book dropped uh, dropped this week well, It's called black and white by Ross Taylor um, I do have my hands on a copy there's been a lot of issues with New Zealand cricket everyone who's followed New Zealand cricket knows about the captaincy drama in 2012 well my experience is reading I haven't I haven't quite gotten through it all because it's um it's quite a hefty sort of book So I won't comment about everything but so far I've got through the prelude. I actually thought actually the forward the forward was quite interesting because it was done by Martin Crow before he passed in twenty fifteen. And he, he he did it in twenty fifteen because he knew that this he knew that this time would come. So he did one he did one knowing that like Ross would probably want him to do it. So he did one and then I believe he read it the the day before he got two ninety in Australia oh, yeah. which is quite a cool story. And I finished the, the prelude, which is basically all about the Test Championship, which is uh, always good to read. Quite enjoyable. Um quite a good wee story around Virat Kohli, where he um he didn't want a night watchman for himself and he went out and Ross gave him a little bit of chirp and said, you know, like you're not you're not keen on a night watchman and he basically said like like, fuck a night watchman, I'm better than a night watchman. Which is pretty, that's quite something. And I know he's not in the greatest form, Rick Coley, and he wasn't then, but gee, that's respect.
1: Mm, I like that. Very confident.
0: Very confident. Which is interesting because I got the sense, and I'm only a wee, wee way through the book, but I did get the sense that Ross, Ross wasn't the most confident of players. Like, he talked about the morning, him and Kane were talking about how nervous they were. All this sort of stuff, and it's quite interesting to hear. Like these are what two of our best batsmen of all time. They were in the cauldron, took us to the at the, like batted to the to the end on day six or whatever it was, and like they're quite candid about how nervous they were beforehand. You kind of think of them as bulletproof, but I guess drama wise, let's let's talk about the the captaincy sort of scenario. A bit of an ambush, he calls it. What uh, I've got an article here. Basically, he was told on the eve of that Sri Lankan test in two thousand twelve that Brendon McCullum was going to take over his captaincy, while he while he agrees the right decision was made, he was disappointed by the way New Zealand cricket handled it. Boys, what do you guys remember about that day back in two thousand twelve? Because I remember it being quite split, like it was Team Taylor, Team McCullum for a bit there.
1: Yeah, it de- definitely was the uh, the decision that divided the nation, the cricketing nation there back in uh back in 2012 um yeah I to be fair I don't remember heaps about it I sort of feel like it happened overnight like I sort of feel like we woke up and McCullum was the test captain and these meetings had gone on in hotel rooms and Ross was sort of promised part and not all and there was going to be this weird split and then he was going to be the test captain and McCullum was going to be the white ball captain but Hessen wanted McCullum only and yeah, it just it just got really messy. And the biggest thing I remember was it was sort of it felt like a Dunedin takeover of New Zealand cricket was sort of yeah. how, it was, how it was labeled. Um, basically, Hessen came in as this—he didn't really have a lot of history playing cricket, but he was a sort of an analyzer, stats guy, and McCullum was his guy. Um, so it was sort of when he got given the job, it sort of felt like it was always the undercurrent of the squad at the time. And it was a matter of uh, when, not if. And then, yet, yeah, it felt like it sort of happened in the in the in the shadows of the night time. And we sort of woke up here to the news that McCullum was the uh, all-format captain. Which, yet, yeah, yeah, that's that was sort of my memory of it. And yeah, very weird time because not often does a player of that caliber sort of get get the captaincy sort of yanked from underneath them like that.
2: Yeah, I think it was, it was, like it really did divide a lot of people. And I think they, you know, yeah, a lot of this comes out and you don't know what's actually real and what's not. But it was, they said it was like quite a divided team at the at the time, it seemed. Um, like a lot of people said it was sort of Guptill and Taylor were quite on one side and a lot of the rest of them were on the other of like team, team McCullum um, Probably put the players in a very awkward position for a while there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty amazing that that what came of it was such a good side and then probably you know one of our greatest periods because um, I think for a moment there it sounded like the team was very divided, um, but yeah it was I mean I think it doesn't need to be said again like the, obviously the way they handled it was very poor for for one of our you know greatest ever players but yeah it's all I think that's all sort of sort of came out and and it is I've said it before it's. McCullum's end to his career really sort of helped rewrite the story on him. Because he, he certainly wasn't always this sort of popular, beloved New Zealand cricketer that he is sort of remembered as now. No, it's a good point, Luxie, because I remember
0: like back in that day where and it was it was quite weird because Daniel Vittori retired and then there was kind of like it was like an election where it was between Taylor and McCullum and they had to like I guess pitch their ideas as towards being captain, blah, blah, blah. And that, that, that can never be good for team morale. Like in my... I mean, I I'm obviously never dealt with anyone at that level, but I, I would have thought that those two would have been better off just getting in a room and figuring out who would have been be, better off rather than, the, than this public um, sort of shit fight. Because, I mean, I, we don't know what McCullum did, but there's no doubt like he would have been disappointed he wasn't the captain. So then when he becomes the captain it looks like it doesn't look good. Like that—that that should have—that's New Zealand cricket's first mistake. That should have been behind closed doors. And this, yeah, you, it's a good point about the McCullum resurgence because I was like, I was massively team Taylor. I thought I was like, like McCullum's reckless. McCullum's this. McCullum at that point had like massively underperformed as a as a cricketer, but his talent level was as good as Ross Taylor. Like they were they were the same growing up and in terms of just pure betting taylor's obviously like passed him as like he's he's realized his potential as opposed to mccullum
1: sorry there, there's a few niggly sort of instances leading up to that as well like mccullum's run out of uh Thurin, yeah, yeah sort of running to congratulate his teammate there was it was a terrible time Was it just we yeah there's that just wee hint of it like sort of it was sort of felt like a rebellion almost, didn't it?
2: Oh, he was he was oh, cuz my dad was a huge McCallum fan um, from the get go. But he was he was always like getting criticized for you know stupidly getting out, his style wasn't good enough, he was you know wasting all his talent. Like he was like target number 1 a lot for the media about like the problem with you know the underperforming New Zealand cricket and he sort of represented that. Oh, I said it
0: like I, I remember when they McCullum took over as Test captain. Like oh, Test captain, like we were eighth, I think. Like we were la, we were we were terrible, and like no, no one liked the Black Caps. Like I mean, obviously diehards do, but in terms of the public perception, it was as low as low. And then, then to see, like Ross Taylor didn't play that South African series, and then we get bowled out for, for the famous forty-five.
2: I was gonna say that's a hurler of a series as well.
0: Against the rampant, like one of the greatest South African teams ever, like staying for Lander Morkel, all those callous and stuff, like Jesus Christ. I don't know if I've heard anything, but there must have been a wee smug look at home, going, "Oh yeah, you want to play without me, dear?" sort of thing, you know. Um, obviously it all worked. It all worked
1: out. all the in a bucket of the colonel's yeah. finest,
0: probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, but um, like it all worked out, and like you know, New Zealand cricket sort of showed its true colours.
1: Yeah, n- another wild allegation from the book was his uh IPL owner slapping him repeatedly in the face for getting a duck. Yeah, that was big, I thought.
0: Yeah, that's um that's got I didn't actually I forgot about that one, but that's um that is the downside of being paid all that money. I guess they, they have this theory that they probably own you in a way, like as bad as it sounds, but um not ideal. Not not what you need after getting a duck.
1: No, i d I've never Never talked to a batter who would have been put in a better mood had I slapped him in the face after a duck.
0: It's funny because like when you're in a change room and you someone gets a duck or whatever, you're kind of you're trying to like tiptoe around them. You don't want to upset them. You don't want them to explode. But this guy's gone. He's gone the complete opposite. He slapped him in the face. I tell you what, he's lucky he didn't get a bat round the head.
1: Yeah, very lucky. Lucky it was in the afters, I think. Just a, a wee a wee segue. Funny enough, talking about you know tiptoeing around a player that's got a duck club cricket just before i returned to the club i'm at now um the the year before i got back a guy uh left a straight one um and then yeah as he was like crossing over the boundary line a player decided to ask him if it did a bit (laughs) (laughs) quite interesting uh sort of your take on that but
2: you save that for the better at the non-striker, don't you? <laughs> you don't need to be asking the guy. Like, give him, give yeah. him a minute. As
1: he's trudging over the boundary rope, do a bit, did it? Fucking hell.
0: <laughs> give him a minute, eh? Hey. Like, you nah, know, I went straight on, mate. Cheers.
1: Wait till he's, like, fuck back in his runners at least.
2: It does make you, um, it does make hmm. you wonder, sorry, just getting back to the tail Slap, if that sort of is happening a bit over there, or what's sort of going on, because that's a pretty, yeah, it's an out- it's, it is a bit outrageous, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Well, do you did you watch that cricket fever on Mumbai Indians? Crom? No. Well, that's quite Netflix on Netflix. A little insight into the Mumbai Indians season. A few guys getting slapped, is there? <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah, there's actually an octagon in the changing <laughs> room. The owners uh, fight the worst performing player. No, but um, yeah, the the owners had a lot to say, sort of in that post match huddle, which. Yeah, would probably be a place I wouldn't want to yeah. be taking criticism from an owner, not a coach or anything like that at that point. So, yeah, that, those guys are very, very controlling and, and very in demand. Obviously, physically assaulting a player, not acceptable. No, um, but, yeah, they, they're very invested, aren't they?
0: It's like the NBA sort of jobs, Mark Cuban jobs. <laughs> just getting right in there.
2: It yeah. really does you know, up it sound like they are just... When they're the owner, they really think of it as like a business and where, you know, they've got employees and they can sort of do what they want to those employees.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Quite interesting from Ross around the, the, him, I think he went from RCB to Mumbai, was it? And he said if he'd taken less money to stay at RCB instead of the million, he might have had the, like a really long IPL career, which was quite, quite an interesting take, I thought.
0: If you're, it's kind of like yeah. If you're at a team for uh, not as long and you get paid a lot, they expect more out of you, and there's sort of there's not as much loyalty. Whereas I guess if he's at RCB for a few years, you've got a few more credits in the bank.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Expanding to
2: that bit of point and getting back to what we're talking about last, you know, with the the T Twenty versus international cricket. I guess that's what does worry you about just it being Twenty Twenty leagues it's very hard to think that these cricketers can care as much, you know, about playing for these random teams as they would if they were playing for their country. And of, so it's hard to, I guess that's what we're talking about. Like it's going to be hard to get invested in some of these, these leagues if this does, you know, happen going forward.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And very interesting to see how these players develop as batters too, because I mean, if all they do is fly around the world, they might not, they genuinely might not play a game for six months and, they might only face about 10 balls over like six months in a game if they do get to play. So it'll be interesting.
0: Righto, so uh, we've got t- Test Crickets back this week, fellas. Uh, the first of three tests between Bears Ball England and the anti-Bars Ball South Africa team uh, on Wednesday. And it already looks very, very spicy. In the same week as South Africa lost by an innings to England A, Dean Alger offered some very interesting words regarding baseball. so I'm just gonna th- I'm gonna go through these quotes and then we'll have a have a bit of a discussion about said quotes. So he's he's offered I've got absolutely no interest in the style that they've played. I think it could go one of two ways for them and it could go south quickly. Talking about it as a waste of energy, their own coach doesn't even like the slogan they've come up with. I'd like to see them do it against our seamers. Always a favourite quote, that one. Um, had New Zealand taken their opportunities, then things could have been different. England would have come away with egg on their faces. Um, boys, a couple of, and there's also there's a couple of rebuttals from the England side of it. First, uh, Ben Stokes offered, I really like eggs though, win-win really. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the wittiest of replies. I think I, I mentioned that to you, but we all do love that there's a bit of drama, a bit of a clap back and my favourite response is Sam Billings who's not even in the squad offered this I think yesterday we've just beaten an international team over four days by an innings in a manner of scoring 5.74 and over you'd be pretty stupid to ignore that if I'm honest if that's not a wake up call I don't know what is because we're not even the best te- best 11. Boys Baz Bull was said what by McCullum, that it's sports entertainment, but Test Cricket is turning into the WWE here with all these guys cutting promos. Does this increase your interest in the series?
1: Massively. Um, get Sam Billings in the squad. <laughs> he needs to start the first test. Uh, and, yeah, maybe mic him up for the whole game too, if those are really going to be the takes we get from him. That's outstanding from Billings. Huge, huge, huge on it. Um, yeah, I mean, calling out the... Skip of an international country, you've just dusted as, yeah, basically a first-class side, yeah, unreal.
2: Yeah, I think obviously we're all on board. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> as I say, I'm a big fan of like your combat sports, where this is quite common, and certainly you wouldn't want this, you know, sort of beef to be uh to be happening in every series. I don't think it starts to get a wee bit fake, but this seems this seems quite genuine at the moment. Like, you get the feeling Al is just sort of quite anti it or, uh, yeah, against the style of playing. And I think, yeah, you know, the baseball thing, probably the actual name of it is all a bit silly and, and getting talked about a bit much. Um, but as, I mean, England, there's just not a lot South Africa can say at the moment, I don't think. England are doing the job and have done the job. and So I think, yeah, bottom line, though, yeah, very interested in the series.
0: Oh, it's, um, it's great for the game. It's almost a way that Test cricket can continue to... 'Cause you I don't think you can do this in any other format. Like the drama in Test Cricket is higher than anything else. And then when you add guys cutting promos like it's like it's the rock versus stone cold. Um, this is mm-hmm. this is something. They could be on for something. Now all we need now is like a like an F one doco on Test Cricket or something like that, like a Netflix series, and we get in behind yeah. the scenes and we start, you know, you know, people start talking about how much they dislike um, Dean Algar, although that seems to be coming, that seems to be coming out. Um, Bears yeah. Bull. Tell you what, what is it about? We've talked about it in the past, but Bears just seems to really wind people up, or is it just that? Is it just the media talking about it all the time?
1: Well, it does give them something to talk about, and I'm, I suppose these these players from these other nations that haven't sort of played England yet are just going to be getting peppered with questions about baseball. Obviously, it's received a lot of success early on they beat us pretty convincingly they beat india um who are really a measuring stick in test cricket so i mean dean has probably been asked a hundred times what he thinks of baseball and it's nice to see him just go well oh, actually i'm fed up with it and what a silly way to play cricket but um yeah what a silly thing to say when you've just lost to uh, <laughs> england a
2: it would be great if it cuts the clubs with him in the nets and he's really practising slogging. Like sort of, yeah, <laughs> you know, you shoot him a Gavin happy trying of coffee, then will to go the that sort of a setup.
1: Sort of getting down and scooping and yeah. sort of the same as, oh.
2: And he just, just can't. This
0: is Elga's tour. <laughs> yeah,
2: he just can't quite get it right.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um... I guess, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've got to say on... Like, I'm pretty obviously fizzing like you boys. I'll, we'll talk about it more after the first test. I'll just lay the groundwork first, the story, and then I'll ask the sort of question for you. So, Richard Pant was recently dropped from the Indian squad ahead of the Asia Cup. This was due to Pant failing a mandatory fitness test. A few layers here, obviously. He's been replaced by Sampson, who was a fine player, no doubt, but a definite step down by, uh, from Pat, in my eyes, at least. My out or not out question today is: uh, what are our thoughts around blanket mandatory fitness tests to the point of if you fail, you don't make the squad? What are our thoughts? Can you have ex- can you have exceptions to the rule of the player if the player is performing?
1: Yeah. Um... I am not out on mandatory fitness tests. I think that should be a part of the game. Um, Basically, you were getting paid, in Rashad Pant's case, millions of dollars to be in what Indian cricket have deemed to be basically good enough physical condition to get through the rigmaroles of cricket. Um, And I mean, if you're getting paid millions of dollars, you're on tour all the time, you're basically getting paid Um, all your food, everything's controlled for you. There's a trainer there full time. You actually don't really have an excuse not to meet it. Um, And to play the game at the level these guys do and to put their bodies through what they do, they actually do need to have a certain level of fitness. Um, And I mean, at the end of the day, it is a job and they're your employer. Um, Like if you've got a, if you've got a law job and you don't pass the bar, they don't go, oh shit, you're pretty good in the courtrooms. All good. Don't worry about it. Like, there is that point in the sand where it actually, like, this is a requirement from your employer. You've just got to do it. And sort of Simon alluded to it off air, but this is obviously a recurring problem. He hasn't just failed as yo-yo by one level. Um, it's obviously a recurring theme, and they probably had to had to draw a line in the sand. And Pants probably be a good enough player that they can make an example without, I guess, hopefully ruining their squad or their chances.
2: Yeah, that's the the biggie for me is how is I just wonder how much this has built up over the last year or two because I can't imagine he was running a you know a sub three hour marathon a couple of weeks ago and suddenly showed up and was <laughs> completely in shock that he couldn't suddenly do this this yo yo. Um, so it seems very odd that yeah I, I can only imagine it's a build up of like his his fitness has gone lower and lower over the last you know year or two and and suddenly they've had to be like right, we're, we're going to have to drop you here. It is, I'll, I do wonder if he's failed before and they've given him chances because it is still a big cult. like, despite everything, and, and as Jacko said, I think everything Jacko says right. It's meant to be a professional sport. Your fitness should be to a, you know, a good enough standard. And I think, sort of, from, from what we hear, their standard isn't even particularly high. Um, But, yeah, so... But yeah, it still must have been a, a reasonably hard call to drop him. I mean, he's one of their best players at the moment. Um, he's a, a bit of a superstar of the game. So to still drop him, I think, is probably takes a bit of guts from the Indian side. But obviously, someone in their setup's just a bit fed up, fed up of his low, low fitness.
0: Yeah, you boys all make very, very good points, and they all make sense. Jacko's definitely right in saying, like, you're a professional there's no real excuse not to be up to spec.
1: I'm sensing a good butt coming here. Is this butt going to be, he's a good stick? Yeah,
0: so I'm definitely, I'm definitely saying.
2: I'm somewhat with you.
1: (laughs) Crickets are runs and wickets game, isn't it?
0: I've already already convinced Simon, I haven't even said anything. So so, so Simon said he's one of the best players. And if we didn't know about this fitness drama, there's no indication that Pant's in poor form. He's seen, he's not dropping catches. He's scoring runs. He's doing everything required to be one of the best players that they've got. So my theory has always been, it's probably, you know, like Simon, rule uh, a reason, you know, seven seven hundred 756, I didn't make it. But if he's doing the job, then like if he's not performing, they go, well, it's because you're unfit, we're going to drop you till you get your fitness up. If he's performing, I don't really see, I mean, like they're adults, they are professionals, they should be able to get ready however they want and if it's does not, if it don't, they don't perform yeah. then it brings your fitness into question, but if they're performing, that's fine. There's not really an excuse except for he's performing, that's, that's where I'm at.
1: And, uh, I mean, cricket, at the end of the day, runs and Wicket's game. Um, just just don't hate to shout out a competitor, but do you think Ravi Shastri's just got a little bit too deep into the grade cricketer's back catalogue? Sort of <laughs> sort of got really deep into the rig-based selection and thought, you know what, fuck it. That sounds like a good policy for an international side, and Rashab's actually just well, favoured skinny. got
2: that, so I'm, Look, I'm not here to, to fat shame anyone in this modern world, but he has always got that sort of fuller frame on him, doesn't he? He looks like he probably wouldn't be afraid of knocking back some snacks in a, you know, post-game. To
0: so like, the Zion Zion Williamson frame?
2: Yeah, just sort of could, like, wouldn't shock you if he came out in good nick after a few months, but also could massively blow out, you reckon, in a month? Yeah, possibly.
1: So, sort of always on that precipice, isn't he? Like, close to a blowout or close to being in really good nick, but sort of right on that right on that fence. Yeah, camera, camera late.
2: I'm mostly, I'm mostly sort of, I mean, I completely agree with Jacka, but then I also, and you've got to, the other thing is like, you've just got to, when you're an international side like that, you've just got to keep the standards high. Like you can't let that
1: It's a team to the whole
2: side. Not everyone would be good enough nah. to just, you know, potentially yeah. not take their fitness as seriously and, and still perform. So I think that's sort of probably where it comes from as a team standard. Yeah, I call cool
1: yeah, they they maybe could have kept him in the squad and sort of said, You're not going to play until you pass it.
2: Yeah, maybe we coach Carter set up, they all do some laps with him. <laughs> yeah. and it's actually really triumphant for the side, really brings
1: them together. He's got 1,000 suicides and 100 or like 1,000 push ups to go or something. The whole team's in there running the yo yo for him.
0: How good's like, um? because we talked, how good's just like Coley not scoring any runs at all? But he's really fit, yeah. so he, 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 he makes it. He's all good. But then you've got pants scoring runs, but he's
2: not fit, so he, he gets dropped. Hey, well, I wouldn't have minded that sort of selection policy, actually, these days. For, for the
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it on 10K times, Crom, and you're a 300-game black cat. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you, 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 could have, you
0: could have pulled out of your contract and gone uh, franchise <laughs> jumping. I
1: wonder if there's like a sport for 10Ks you could get into, Crom.
2: Probably, it's um, called running. Yeah, <laughs> probably call it running world. I haven't, unfortunately. The, the standard of those guys is a bit high. Starting today, you will play like winners, act like winners, and most importantly, you will be winners. If you listen and learn, you will win basketball games. And gentlemen, winning in here is the key
0: to winning out there. Yeah, if you've got a question for Coach Corner, uh, Instagram... Uh, email us at maxmccricket21 at gmail.com. Uh, leave us a review slash question. Uh, so we've got a couple here that I've tied together. Um, the question, well, the first one is, how do I gain confidence with the bat after a tricky period? And the other one is, if I'm in a rut, hit out or get out as a que- as a question. So for me personally, I would be heading out because it's fun and that's the way I batted my best. But not everyone's the same. You- So my theory was you can't control the results, but you can control the way you play. However, that is far easier said than done because the more you actually want to score runs, the harder it is to actually release those shackles if that was your plan. I can't speak for the higher level, as you're aware, but I know at a club level at least the best way to play is the way that you enjoy playing, regardless of if you get runs or not. Because the reality is at club level and even at the higher level, batsmen fail more often than they succeed, so you need a style that works for you. And it's catered to you. You can be Brenna McCullum, you could be BJ Walling, or you can be in between. It's up to you. It doesn't really matter. Just look at your strengths and your weaknesses as a better. And then, in my opinion, double down on your strengths. Unless this is Zach Crawley uh, on the blower, then you've got a few more issues and you're in trouble. But... Um, yeah, at least at club level, it's the strengths that matter the most. Once you find you're at the tempo that you want to bet at, trust it and don't second guess it no matter what. I played, t- played senior cricket for 10 years and probably only three of those I actually performed at the level I should have. It was the three years I didn't actually care about getting out. I just uh, pretty much swung and had a good time and it worked well. Uh, I went hard because that was the plan and I stuck with it no matter what beforehand i just i put way too much pressure on myself uh i wanted to score runs way too much and then afterwards i became after that window i was captain and i thought i had to bat uh, more responsible but that just didn't suit me so so to summarize find the style and tempo of batting that suits you and trust it and it'll work out in the long run boys what else you got
1: yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll briefly do the batting. I mean, you've asked me to have a look at sort of bowlers in a rut to cover cover both skill sets. But I'll quickly, batting-wise, um, as probably someone even less qualified than yourself, averaging <laughs> about nine in senior cricket as a horrific sort of number 11. As we heard last week, I was once told I'd never bat above 11. Um, <laughs> averaging nine is
2: not bad. Sort of, I'd a, yeah, lot yeah,
1: of, a lot of two not outs uh, or one not out.
0: Imagine um, not rounding that up. By the
1: way, yeah, I was rounding up from i was I was rounding up from five. So
2: you average ten, and you're probably you're one of the better club cricketers in Dunedin.
1: Yeah, I th- I Manda, I think you nailed it pretty pretty much. Especially at the club level, you you got to remember, like you're there to enjoy yourself. So if you're like trying to get a niggly ten off fifty, and you've en- you've hated your Saturday, like you might as well try to get ten off ten. But I think the biggest thing, bad is a lot of the time when they're out of form that loop starts to go they're thinking do I need to hit out do I need to change my game is something going wrong technically then the superstitions start creeping in and that sort of that spiral begins and it's hard to get out of that um so I think if you're in a rut batting potentially just try and make it really simple like watch the ball or that that can be the simplest one and you can just bring it back to to a really simple focus and set of skills and then. Build that confidence back from there because it's that when you're in that spiral, um, batting's a tough place to be.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. It, it is a tough one because it's one. It's a. It's sort of an easy one to give advice on, and sort of everyone gives the same advice of like clear your head, be positive, back yourself, all the things you sort of already know you're meant to be doing. Um, but when you're out in the middle and you you zero off four and you haven't scored a run in three weeks, it's you know it's a bit tougher. Um, it, it is a tough one. I like. We had a guy, prior to here, Ryan Senior. He was a, he was a good player. He had a really tough start to his, his primary career and hadn't really scored a run. But he just had, like, I remember talking to him after he had failed for about the fifth time in a row. And he just, it didn't bother him at all. He had, He's like, oh, I'm a good player, mate. I'll score runs. Like, he just didn't, he had, so if if you are, you know, you'll know yourself, better than obviously, than we can. If you are a good player, just have a bit of faith in what you've done in the past and that it will turn around. Um, I guess there's a couple of little little bits of advice I've heard like other international players do, but this may not work for you. But like there's some guys, like I know for a lot of left-handers, their sort of leg side is where they can accumulate runs and pick up runs. So I've heard of guys that will just say for my t- first 10, 20 balls, I'm going to leave everything on the offside. I'm just, even if it's a half volley, I'm just going to leave it alone and I'm just going to get my five or six off the legs. Um, just to get a wee bit of confidence going, that might not work for everyone because that might be too negative a mindset. So you've got to sort of think about if that would work for you or, you know, for 20 balls, I'm just not going to hit it in the air. There is little things you can do like that, um, but it has got to work for you. And then I think every advice everyone else would give it at the end of the day is if you are really, really struggling, just have a crack, try and hit the ball hard, make it hard to be caught. Maybe a few will fly away to the boundary and, a couple of edges might go for four, and you're away. Um, but mostly, just find out what's going to work for you.
0: Well, I used to always, I used to always think
2: that I'm.
0: What, what would you rather? How would you rather get out? Would you ra- would you rather get out, prodding at a ball, and nicking off to second slip, or would you rather go for a big cover drive and nick it to second slip? And now that's a that's a question. Um, I would. I would personally always prefer a big booming drive. And I don't know why. There's no real logic behind it. It's the same result. But that that was me. Um, so I guess find out. Find, you just find out what, what suits you.
2: Yeah, because of course there is option three there of just leaving it alone and you're still in there, Monta. But yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leaving a half volley on night than just, you know. Sit- winning winning the battle another day um no but crom i think you touched on it quickly there with that pro you guys had if you start to process focus instead of outcome focus then at least you know right i'm doing my processes right if the runs aren't coming i'm either going to be good enough and they will come or i'm swimming in the deep end and i need to go down a grade and (laughs) clean up there for a few weeks yeah
2: i mean that's it's not as silly as that i mean that's yeah, if you are really, really struggling, potentially just going down a grade for a week or two and screwing some runs might be the best thing for you.
0: How hey, our advice? Like, go down a grade? That's, a, that's our
2: summary.
0: This guy's come to us for, for advice, and, and our, our, our advice is, like, uh, go down a grade. <laughs> Oh, we gave some stuff pre. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, we we've given plenty. To, we've look, we've given him plenty to work through. If he can't get through that, then it's <laughs> yeah. go down Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And, uh, 100%, 100%. and uh, Jacko,
0: have you got a, a bowlers take?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Manta quickly said, "Can I give a bowlers quick summary of of what to do if you don't, you don't feel like you're bowling well?" Um, obviously, a very familiar feeling for all bowlers, including myself. Uh, One week it's coming out the dream and the next week you are going at 10s. Again, it can be a process thing. Uh, So if you go back to your process and you try to evaluate success in a different way, obviously it's hard to ignore runs and wickets. But um, yeah, going back to your processes again and if you are completing your processes correctly, um, eventually the results are going to come. Yeah, another thing, If you just want to, I mean, sometimes a really good thing is take some time out of the net. Um, So get away from bowling to batters and performing and just go back and maybe do some technique work uh, with the coach into the mitt. Sort of refresh the technical elements of your action because at the end of the day, that's what's caused you to be in the position you're in is you've got a good action. It produces good results. It produces ball performance. Um, So going back and just getting a proper feel for that action instead of bowling to batters and focusing on what's happening at their end and where the ball's going focusing a bit more on your end and and just ingraining that action again um and then going back into the nets and having that that a bit more refreshed can help you find that rhythm find that timing in your action because at the end of the day every every bowler knows they can bowl that that seed um because you know you've done it and you know you'll do it again so it's just getting that that good ball a bit more repeatable um and only other thing i had for the bowling was a lot of the time if you're a bowler and you're missing a lot you sort of get a lot of that language of don't bowl on his legs or don't bowl a half tracker Um, and you actually there's a weird thing your brain does where it doesn't listen to the word don't so basically if you're telling your brain don't bowl on his legs don't bowl a half tracker it's the same in golf don't slice this or don't hit this into the water nine times out of ten plunk ball straight into the water onto his pads or like a beautiful cut shot so changing your perception or your intent in your own language in your mind can sort of kick start things so if you say right i'm going to bowl that peach on off stump that's what your brain hears and that's what it starts to process
0: yeah i love it i love it jacko um that's and they, it's funny how I was just listening to you like talk about your the bowling, and it's quite similar in a way. Like it's all it's all about process. It's all about worrying about what you can control rather than what you can't control. And then I like the part about the the language you use. It's kind of like when you're betting and you're worried about hitting it to a fielder as opposed to hitting it to the gap and you're constantly hitting the person as opposed to the gap. So I do like that. Um, Luxy. you got anything more to add on that one?
2: Yeah, not really. Um, Just go down the grade. Um, No, (laughs) the the one thing that is tough with bowling is is, it is so wicked-based, but as Jack, I will know, sometimes you do bowl your best and you get nothing for it, and that can sort of play on your mind for a few weeks. Um, but I think and then sometimes you can bowl a bit of, a bit of crap and you know a batter can get yourself, get himself out and you, you know you've picked up three or four. So I think as Jacko mentioned, I think just knowing you're doing the right thing in training and training and the process rather than the outcomes are a really good point of not not focusing so much on just needing to take wickets or your run rate being low or just knowing yeah having faith of, of the bulls you're actually bowling well and trying to repeat that that best ball you can as much as you can and just I think success comes from there
0: that is us for another week team uh, thank you to Luxy and Jacko and of course thank you to our Academy Award winning listeners for uh, and travelling on this journey with us uh, while you're still here chuck us a like up subscribe, a rate and review and if you're feeling extra generous patreon.com slash maximum cricket uh, but in the meantime Lugsy Jacko have yourselves a great week and we'll catch you again next week
2: Thanks, mate. Too easy, mate. Get you.